quis hic locus quae regio, quae mundis plaga, what world is this? What kingdom? What shores of what worlds? It's a very big question you're faced with, Susanna. The choice of your life. How much will you indulge in your flaws? What are your flaws? Are they flaws? If you embrace them, will you commit yourself to hospital for life? Big questions, big decisions. Not surprising you profess carelessness about them. Did I do it? Bro. I could have gone for Ford versus Ferrari too, but like. I think Girl Interrupted is actually a good one to start with because I am really, I'm interested in other people's opinion about this kind of more than my own, but what did you think of Girl Interrupted? Because when I watched this when it initially came out, Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was kind of critically panned. It was hit and miss, but it was way more misses than people that actually came out and praised it. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has like a 56%, which the conversation around at the time, like, is pretty much in line with that. But when I watched it, when I was like that young, like, there was a lot of shit that I didn't get, but... I feel like there was a lot of shit that the critics didn't necessarily get either, which I can kind of see why the movie was kind of panned. But what were your thoughts on Girl Interrupted? Because Uh, this was this was definitely like a big thing that was in the conscious at at that time period. I really liked it. I thought that it was great. I thought it told the story really well. Uh, I described it to a friend of mine last night as a very good movie about a lot of bad things. And one of the things that I really liked about it is that all of the characters felt like real fictions. Does that make sense? So like they, they all felt like, especially like the doctors versus the people inside, it all felt how you saw people and how maybe that warps over time if you feel like you're not getting better fast enough how that creates this dichotomy of you don't know what you're talking about well you know maybe you're determined not to get better and uh, one of the things that I I noticed and I was chatting with my dad a little bit about this we watched Ford versus Ferrari together was that James Mangold is unflinchingly excellent at casting his pictures yeah he has a real talent for that and to me 
I don't think this movie would have done nearly so well if it hadn't had the cast that it had. I think that's why it kind of so basically of the of 1999 early 2000 everyone praises like Angelina Jolie's performance but virtually everyone else in the movie is kind of dismissed but the things that like Winona's doing like Winona's but, doing so much yeah and like what Brittany Murphy was like mm-hmm. just pulsating on the camera like help me understand days because I thought you didn't do Valium. Tell me how the safety net is working for you. Tell me that you don't take that blade and drag it across your skin and pray for the courage to press down. Tell me how your daddy helps you cope with that. Illuminate me. My father loves me. I bet with every inch of his manhood. Oh, God. I'm going to sleep now. Please be gone in the morning. You're just jealous, Lisa. Because I got better. Because I was released. Because I have a chance. At a life. They didn't release you because you're better, Daisy. They just gave up. There is no small role in this movie, but when you see notes like this from uh, the New York Post. It's an odd mixture of an unsentimental, darkly humorous take on mental illness with the usual Hollywood loony bin cliches. Like, I mean, except that it's based off of a book and it's a 90s American look back at the time a woman spent in a mental asylum. I don't know what it's technically called. Hospital in the late 60s, written in the 70s. This is a photograph of a photograph of a photograph. It's not trying to be sucker punch, okay? It's not trying to be, well, the asylum is a metaphor, is a metaphor, is a metaphor. Like, it's not trying to do that. But you are seeing her story through not only her own lens, but also the lens of her writing the book. So you you already have two lenses in your eyeglasses before the the things even really started. And I think even at the time, like people just, especially in like you know, even if you go back, okay, yeah, like this is this woman's book, you know, from this time period in her life. And for people that read the book, you know, they describe it as being jarring, and this movie didn't necessarily match the type of energy. But if you look at, you know, what mental health was way back then and the perception of mental health and even looking at it, what it was in the late 90s, early 2000s, like we're nowhere near as smart as we are now. Like, because even the even the idea of her jumping in and out of time and her describing as time travel, bro, we have a word for that right now. Triggering like she is getting mega triggered 
like at the smallest or biggest things and she's being transported basically in the past and she's like having a hard time gripping that and none of the people in the movie can really diagnose it none of the reviewers at the time period even kind of even describe that which in a lot of ways like i think that's a it was a really accurate rate, uh, way of describing what triggering is. One like. other thing that they do crazy well is like, as someone who is a psychology student while also going through therapy for other things, every time I heard about a disorder, anything, I was like, is this me? What, what is the checklist? Where's the checklist? Like, <laughs> she has the same thing where she's like, oh, she finds out what her like checklist is for borderline. And she's like, is it promiscuous if I do this? Like, is it different if I do that? Like, because it's, it's a thing that's been assigned to her. It's not who she is, you know, and she feels powerless to actually change who she is. Yeah. Or at least her assignment. So she might as well figure out what it is. Yeah. And even going back to that and her questioning, you know, the diagnosis and, you know, the people over time. I think the two most important scenes in the movie are when she first talks to Dr. Wick and then she immediately has a conversation on Whoopi Goldberg after that. And she's completely deflecting everything. Where the fuck is Lisa? What's the matter? Can't hack it without her? You banish her for singing to Polly. We were trying to help her. We were trying to help her. This place is a fucking no. See, I worked in state hospitals. This place is a five-star hotel. <laughs> oh, no, You know, I can take a lot of crazy shit from a lot of crazy people, but you, you are not crazy. And what's wrong with me? Huh? What the fuck is going on inside my head? Tell me, Dr. Val, what's your diagnosis? You are a lazy, self-indulgent little girl who is driving herself crazy. These are two women who are clearly seeing her for who she is, making an assessment. While Whoopi's assessment was a bit kind of aggressive, at the same time, like, they were basically telling her ABC, and she was completely, like, not trying to be receptive to it at all. Mm-hmm. And so I think the way they portrayed that was extremely accurate to a lot of people who get, you know, they go into therapy or to counseling. And then when it come, it kind of comes down to like getting to the hard part, you know, they kind of deflect. So it's like, even when Winona was talking to Whoopi after she got dumped in the tub and she was doing all that racist bullshit, like the argument isn't really if Winona is really, Winona's character is really racist or not. The argument is you have people that care about you that are telling you the truth. So you, why are you doing all these things to deflect? Why are you not right. accepting it? Why are you not even listening to it? I like that neither the movie nor Whoopi's character, I know she has a name, Valerie, judges her for it. Yeah. You know, one thing that I, I guess this is kind of what they're talking about when they say it's a little bit of like Hollywood cliche is Whoopi Goldberg gets dangerously close to a mammy trope. Oh yeah, she's on the, like she's definitely on the line of the magical negro spectrum. Like she's I mean, and funny is I was thinking about ghosts like this morning. Like ghost is that basically, but mm-hmm. 
she i think if if her help was maybe accepted maybe like at the very beginning of the movie right she would basically be it honestly yeah and also i think you know seeing her i'll say punish lisa you know you kind of see that she's a i won't say flawed but like you see that she's a dimensional character yeah you know i also like this is just like a little bit of a nitpick here but she should have intervened in the ice cream shop. I'm sure he was begging for it, and I heard it was like a pencil anyway. Dare you? How dare you? Hey, some advice, okay? Just don't point your fucking finger at crazy people. Yeah, I mean, like, I did get out of hand, yeah. She should have intervened. Mother, she or any of the nurses or any of the orderlies directly could have stopped that. Yeah. Before it got out of hand, before. For, for lack of a better term, everybody got triggered. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the older uh, woman, she was being mega aggressive. I mean, her, her husband was Well, she also around, was so. threatening the youngest of the, the people there. Yeah. You know, for better or for worse, they've all taken Susanna in as like a little sister. She's practically a mascot. I don't understand why Valerie, especially who so clearly has a grasp of the dynamics here, didn't intervene. I mean, yeah, you know, she I don't know up. if that's an event that happened like I- IRL that just kind of had to make the jump to the movie, but like that was uncomfortable to watch. I think this movie Girl Interrupted, because even like Roger Ebert, someone that I particularly really, really adore he didn't see the vibes either man like i think a lot of this is kind of lost into time man like i said i think maybe if this movie is kind of revisited today it's a bit seen as differently even the writer susan in real life like she hates them she hated the movie because you know i think it's kind of unfair to ask the subject if they actually like it or not because their point of view is going to get skewed and she she just, just didn't like the movie at all but I kind of wonder if this movie could get like a resurgence, especially even, you know, society being at least more open than what we are to mental health now than then. And mm-hmm. then also really trying to show women's stories. A lot of this movie is about how in a lot of ways, like these women voices weren't really being heard or being listened to. Like even Suzanne uh, in the beginning of the movie, like she's with the, the male psychiatrist, but their whole thing is, well, we think she's depressed. Let's just send her off to a hospital. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's kind of no real course of action for helping her there. And even w- when he gets, when she gets into the hospital, and then you have the other psychiatrist there, who they all describe as being basically worthless. Mm-hmm. So it's like all these women are kind of, I mean, they're in a decent prison. Like that's, it's kind of long and short of it. Yeah, the other thing that I would say made me uncomfortable is that it seems like the only thing that the movie actually genuinely judged her for was her sexual agency they seemed really uncomfortable with. And I don't know if that's a side effect of the original story. I haven't read the book. But at the end of the day, her interactions with men were entirely transactional. You know, with her father, she was just nice enough to him to be left alone. And with every other man in her life, it seems like she was just either just kind enough to be left alone or to get something that she might like out of it and the first time that she tries to stand up for herself that man literally follows her to the hospital he handles that rejection so poorly that she tries to kill herself to be rid of him yeah and i think that 
that is maybe part of the reason that this movie is starting to see, I don't want to say a resurgence necessarily, but as we've acknowledged that a lot of threats to women are men. Yeah. And we've accepted that as truthful. And when I say we, I mean some people, not nearly enough people. Yeah, definitely not society, yeah. Then that is that makes us a completely different movie because this isn't just the story of a woman who is rich and spoiled and made her own problems it's a movie who's treated like a sex object by everyone yeah. her orderly her professor the orderly is like i like you why do you like me i don't know i just like you okay you're hot let's go to a movie when you're better he literally tries to leverage himself like some sort of catch so that like, yeah. like you should get better so we can bang even toby doesn't know her i think i love you <laughs> let's go to canada Bro. like the only thing that i can say that i did appreciate about him was that he was very earnest he he did a lot for the story but like this is ultimately a story about a woman working with a network of women to overcome a neuroses caused by the way she was treated by men. Yeah. And uh, not for nothing, but I feel like maybe that's a little difficult for male film critics to swallow. Certainly difficult for the audience at large to swallow. Hell yeah. I'm in agreement that the movie doesn't directly acknowledge like the men in her life are hurt problem (laughs) like i don't i don't know if the book directly kind of acknowledges it either and there's even a little questioning of when she says you know how many men is if i sleep with is promiscuous but that's like really the only time they kind of acknowledge that i i do agree you know with the theory that you're kind of putting out there and that and i can definitely see why you know a lot of men at the time they just weren't really receptive to this movie and i think also though that's reflected in the fact that the men who uh she try to talk tries to talk to about this don't understand it yeah they just keep writing prescriptions and you know diagnoses and they they can't see it for what it is because it's something that they've benefited from and had privilege from i will just say the fact that a white man could present that so well nuanced and so kind of deeply woven in the very fabric of the movie I really, I thought was was excellent, regardless of how, how deviated it is from the source material, because I, I can't honestly speak to that. And that's not what this show is about, really. Yeah. I felt that his depth and love and care was really present. Yeah, I think James Mangold did a good job of this movie. I'm remembering back to what I read, and I think it was Roger that said something along the lines of, the story kind of doesn't go anywhere. But I mean, that's kind of the, that's really kind of the thing with like getting better with mental health. Like it, it's not going to be something that's all of a sudden you're cured for it. Like these are things that we battling. You're going to battle for the rest of your life. And right. it's really, it's going to be, hopefully, you know, you're combating the extremes and you can stay mellow enough for an allotted period of time. But that shit is, it's just not going to go away. Even when, you know, the character for Lisa, that played by Angelina Jolie, she was someone, it was revealed she was in that hospital for like eight years. When it's like, I'm pretty sure, you know, that that was an actual accurate number of who at least a person was in real life. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you have someone in a hospital for eight years that long, 
one, it's a tale of, of how shitty the actual mental health industry was back then. But it's also like you can probably think of it like it's a cycle. Like if she starts off with X mental health deficiency, she's in, mm-hmm. you know, place X. What about place X is not helping her? Like mm-hmm. why is she constantly escaping and coming back to no help? I think because you know, James, he wasn't, like, beating over the head with that, That like, I think maybe that's why a lot of critics at the time didn't really get it, but, you know, watching this now in 2020, and like I said, I watched this in, in the year 2000, and I was, like, you know, I was maybe, like, 13 or 14 years old watching this movie, like, I didn't know what the fuck was going on, man, like, but watching it now, like, as, like, an adult in an era where I definitely take mental health very seriously for myself and for other people, like, I think the movie accomplishes a lot. I am inclined to agree with you. Thank you, movie, for being ahead of your time. If not (laughs) completely, if not completely encapsulating an accurate experience from the woman who did experience this. I think you did a lot of really good work. And I hope, movie, that you opened up some doors to talk about some stuff. But also, thanks for giving Winona Ryder good work. She's great. Yeah, like she... I can't think of a better performance she's done. Like Honestly, everyone in this movie is great. Brittany Murphy, oh my god, I got so sad again, man. God damn. Oh, uh, knowing about how she passed away is like so much worse. It's so bad. Yeah, but we carry her loving memory on we should do this again mm-hmm. sometime. And even the, this movie, I legit think of all of the 122 movies. I guess this is 123 of the 100 plus movies we've talked about or discussed or mentioned. I legit think Girl Interrupted is is probably the only one to age in this kind of way. We talked a lot about wine. Yeah, we talked a lot about movies that were like super potent at the time. A lot of silly movies that got praised like in their day, but I think this is the one that like it may have gotten shitted on then, but. It definitely does not deserve it now. So I definitely like this movie a lot. I'm literally going over to our list right now. <laughs> Bro, shout out to Monster. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm never watching that movie again. I feel like more people need to watch that movie though. Oh, that's a hard sell. Why would you recommend Monster? If nothing else, the more movies of Patty Jenkins we watch, the more Patty Jenkins movies we'll get. Yeah. Do it for the streaming algorithm, bro. Look, I don't have much time, all right? So let me just say something real quick. My name is EG, and I am the host of two shows that are part of the Hyphen Podcast Group. The first show is called Catch the Show. It's a show where I talk about music-related news and pop culture, upcoming tours that you may want to catch shows of, and I tell you about a show that I caught because it's the number one concert review podcast in the world, and I've reviewed shows from Beyonce to Kendrick Lamar to even the Backstreet Boys. So yeah, that's Catch the Show. The other show is called The Underground Monster. Slightly different kind of show, but still music-related. It's where I cover basically underground independent hip-hop, horrorcore and the juggalo culture so yeah if you're interested in either one go to hyphenpodcastgroup.com and or go to your favorite podcast platform and just search for them and hit that subscribe button okay got that 
cool. Now let's get you back to the show you were originally listening to. Speaking of children being treated poorly in labs. <laughs> you want to pivot to Logan? Logan. I figured we'd just go chronologically. <laughs> oh, either way. Like, it's it's no big deal to me. Oh, yeah. Logan did come out before Four vs. Rari. Damn, I forgot. I'm about to lose, like, all my girl who likes comics cred. You didn't like Logan. I like Logan fine. Sure I saw Logan that? when it came out. I saw it opening night, actually. Okay. I drove all the way up to Providence to see it in IMAX. I went pretty all in on this. Providence was an hour and change from where I went to college. Context. I think it's an amazing script. I think it's very well acted. I think that the James Mangold casting is out in full force. But? I genuinely can't stomach the amount of violence against children. <sighs> And I, I also, like, genuinely watching it earlier today, I was, I was getting, like, waves of nausea because some of uh, Wolverine's, like, temper tics. Oh, shit, really? Damn. You know, actually, you know, the funny thing is, I, too, watched Logan opening night, and I watched it a little bit after it came out. I hadn't watched Logan in at least a year. Actually, it's been, like, a year and a half. And so I actually forgot how kind of jarring it is to see a little girl, you know, massacre grown adults. It was a- yeah, but also watching this, even the scene on the phones where you're seeing these kids get experimented on and oh. euthanized. Okay. Like, oh, yeah. One of them jumped off a building. I forgot that happened. I put that right. on my mind. But you also see one of them getting shot, yeah. shot up with something when they say go to sleep. It's There's some heavily coded language in there to, to describe what it is. And uh, I think it was just with the mix of the extra kind of violent action. This movie is also a Wolverine body horror flick in oh, addition yeah. to everything else. He's, he looks uh, like a corpse before he actually dies. So, yes. Yeah. No, he also like the the noises are very different. And I think that I think this is an amazing movie and frankly the fact that it wasn't like let's let's go through uh logan's award nominations real quick oh it it shouldn't have gotten nominated for anything except for like makeup and stuff like that was probably it i think that it probably should have been nominated i think uh best adapted screenplay great choice i'm kind of surprised that hugh jackman didn't get nominated for an acting performance I'm not. 2017 was Moonlight year, wasn't it? I mean, he shouldn't have won it. (laughs) I'm not saying. Okay. (laughs) I'm not saying have him win. But I do feel like, you know, maybe some acknowledgement of this performance that Hugh Jackman has been giving for the last 15 years of his life at that point might have been cool. I don't know how you got me here, but uh, thank you. Yeah. You can talk? You can talk? What the fuck? Why the fuck? What, what's all this bullshit being for the last 2,000 fucking miles? What? Okay, okay, shut up, shut up, shut the fuck up! Especially considering he actually gives, for my money, a genuinely emotionally stirring performance where he actually puts some of his nuance and theater training to use for the first time instead of just being like, 
chomp, chomp, cigar, cigar, bud. Take your friends and run. They'll keep coming and coming. You don't have to fight anymore. Go. Go. Don't be hard there. I'm looking at the 2018 Oscars, and I don't think he would have even sniffed any of these people. Denzel and Roman J. Israel Esquire, which, no. Daniel Kulu for Get Out, which he okay, yep. probably should have won. Uh, Daniel Lewis and Phantom Thread. I don't like Phantom Thread, but a lot of people I love Phantom Thread. It may have just been, though, that I saw it when I was like living and studying in Europe. And a lot of like the Europe, the fashion and style and weird, fucked up shit culture kind of Euro snob cat. That's it was <laughs> it was an accurate representation of a lot of what I saw around me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Timothy While still like providing commentary on it. Oh, is this the Timothy Chalamet year? Yeah, that movie was fucking beautiful, but he should not have got nominated for best actor. I was in Italy when that movie came out. Like, uh, oh shit, that's actually well. Cool. No, I think it had come out the summer before, but like we were there when it, everyone was like, you know, all like <gasps> about it, and I was like, hold on. So you had to pick. It's either it was Timothy Chalamet or Army Hammer. I can't pick that anymore because <laughs> I've read some <laughs> allegations about Army Hammer that. Oh my god. Made me Big is, nervous. Is every man just trash? Is that what we... Well, is for that, starters, he he was finna cheat on his wife, which is just his I business. Mean, but, like, I'm not super comfy with that anyway. Especially if you're specifically taking advantage of people that you know are fans of your work. Oh, jeez. He was praying on And girls. also, women, actually. He did keep them over 18. But he did request that she call him daddy. Jesus. and uh referred to her exclusively as kitten so jesus 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 the goddamn so well i guess in this simply shall made by default then yeah no means? all in all in on that sad lizard man <laughs> the sad lizard boy and also uh gary oldman as winston churchill so okay that was a really good performance and I didn't watch Darkest Hour, so. It's not realistic at all for, like, the history, but it's a really amazing performance. My favorite thing that I did when I lived in Italy was that I got a ticket to one of the theaters in Perugia. And they, every, I think, Monday night, they would do a movie in English. And I bought a season pass. So as long as I went, like, seven of the 25 weeks I was there, it paid for itself. But they showed most of the Oscar movies. They had a Wes Anderson film festival that was included in my past. Like, 
so I I got to see like Grand Budapest Hotel in Italian for free with English subtitles and then again in English with Italian subtitles I got to see Darkest Hours I got to see Phantom Thread I got to see like like Monday night I just would make sure that I either got my homework done or it wasn't due until Wednesday like yeah Monday night we would do pizza at this really good place before then a movie and then I would go to my favorite bar for a drink after after the movie so we could talk about the movie I had a system. It was on lock. I saw three billboards. Like that was a bit much, to say the least. But back to Logan being a bit much. Yeah, so honestly. I saw you gave this three and a half on Letterbox. Mm-hmm. I don't. I gave it four and a half because I mean I'm just someone who movie violence just kind of isn't necessarily jarring anymore to me i guess i'm just kind of numb to it but i did really kind of feel very iffy about seeing this you know his daughter basically claw adults and like she threw like a severed head at somebody's feet so yeah that was pretty dope that might have actually been my favorite part of her like violence against children hilarious (laughs) my friend anders's wife carrie is an incre- incredibly talented and uh, I would say intelligent film critic. And she wrote this in her review. Movies like Logan are hard for me because I know how good they are on a technical and storytelling level. The action in Logan might be the best I've ever seen in a superhero movie. I probably won't watch it again, not for a, a long time, because the level of violence and horror directed at children is just far too much and too graphic for me to stomach. It completely impeded my ability to enjoy and appreciate the film. And it kind of speaks to how good the film is. Well, I, yeah, it's, it, it's successful in that regard. So I agree with her. Like, they're setting up to let you know that the experiments on these kids are all bad. Like, Logan needs to commit to saving these kids' lives. She's on. She's spot on. Yeah. I mean, for me, I just, like, where Logan takes, I think it's a shovel to his car, the truck. Yeah, he beats the shovel to the truck, yeah. That reminds me of some times in my life I'd rather not think about. Uh, um, and, like, stuff like that. Like, James Mangold captures it so well that it makes it hard for me to enjoy. Ooh, doggy. So Art imitating life for life imitating art, basically. I'm in, I'm in a similar, but, well, uh, first of all, I really think Wolverine is, like, a, an interesting and varied character in the X-Men. But that kind of dark version of Wolverine where he's, like, a rage monster abuser... Like, I, I can't. I'm not a fan of that. I don't care how nice he is when he's, not you know. Not raging. Right. But in, in those comics, when he's in that mode, it's really hard for, for me to enjoy and get through. I have a similar problem with some iterations of Batman. By the way, hey, hey, nerd boys. It's me again. We haven't talked directly like this in a while. Your characters should be better than emotionally abusive shitbags. Fight me in the DMs. The They're is- open. The thing um, is, though, they're emotionally unavailable shitbags as well. <laughs> oh, oh, I know. But I'm saying your aspirational character should be better than you. It should be. I agree. Don't fight me but in anyway, the DMs. So I'll just block your ass. At least, like, if, if you lobby an interesting enough first shot at me, I might, I might fight back. Otherwise, I'm just going to report you to Twitter for hate speech. Anyway. <laughs> but, like, for me, I... <laughs> It's a lot. Like, Logan is is a lot. It is a lot, and I also feel like this movie really, at the end especially, lays it on kind of thick with glorifying him for doing (laughs) the 
the one thing his dead friend and mentor asked him to do. Love his daughter. (laughs) Like he's he is like getting the the most for doing like the very least. (laughs) Yeah, like the like I get that it's sad that he died, but like he spent this whole movie like basically just abusing people and then died the one time he didn't. And like (laughs) you change see what happens when you change (laughs) the other thing though that like i guess this is i don't know if this is a criticism of james mangold or or who this is a criticism of i think this movie has no emotional impact if you watch it as a complete standalone film or i won't say no emotional impact but i would say that it is severely dampened i saw it for the first time the only other x-men movie i had seen was days of future past oh well yeah which is not as bad as everyone says it is. It's not no, good, no, but it's no, not bad. No, um, Days of Future Past is good, but I'm saying there's a there's like way better Patrick Stewart performances. Like there's well, way better. I had I had no issues buying into Patrick Stewart. Like I had no issue with him. Yeah, I cried when he died. As you should, yes. But Patrick Stewart, come on the show. Patrick Stewart, please. I promise I won't ask you any questions about Star Trek unless you say it's okay. I might cry though. I like the dogs you have in Picard. They seem very nice. Anyway, um, <laughs> but you know, like I, I feel that the impact of this movie, especially because it was heavily marketed as a standalone, it 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 doesn't quite stand alone as well as it thinks it does. And I definitely was like, why do I care about Logan? And like in this movie, right? And my brain was like, because he's Wolverine. Yeah. But at the same time, if you tease that away you know i was really trying to get back in the headspace of when i saw it for the first time when i had only seen him in like logan period like never even mind hugh jackman in one other film and i was thinking okay like patrick stewart as this like ailing older man who clearly has this big you know crazy brain that is dangerous yeah i cried i cried i did yeah. Even even Stephen Merchant as um, Caliban when he's getting tortured. Yeah, he was good. I was but... aghast. Even this time, I was like, my jaw dropped because in my mind, right? Like I learned enough about Caliban in the what, like twelve minutes of screen time he had before then, that I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Like, but all we see Logan do. The only time we see Logan smile before like he finally accepts laura as his daughter before that sweet death yeah is when one of the girls in the back of his cab flash or the back of his (laughs) phone flashes (laughs) and hey man nice you gotta take your hits where you can get them i get that but like this this Logan that we're introduced to is not a hero. You hear people tell us he was a hero. Yeah. But we don't actually have any place to hang our hat on that except other people's but that's, word. But that's and I a, think that that makes the impact at the end stronger on the one hand, but it diminishes the beginning because we don't understand how far he's actually fallen. But no, that's that's the thing about this movie though. Like this movie is banking on your long-term commitment to knowing who Logan, the Logan character as embodied by Hugh Jackman is like, like you can't get Logan made in 2003. Like you have to have the 
X1, 2, and 3, you have to have Days of Future Past. You have to have those two Logan movies, which one was bad and which one was decent. Like, you have to have, you have to go through the gauntlet to get the to only, this moment. The decent one was the one also directed by James Mangold. They, they're I mean, making right, on that feeling. I, okay, that's a lie. I had seen X Men Origins Wolverine. I, I I did forget about that, uh, but still, not not a great track record. I think that's why the movie is effective. Like Wolverine, at this point in his life, like he's not a hero. Like he's he's not fighting any crime. Like he's basically he's basically waiting to die. Yeah, he's babysitting Professor X to make sure he doesn't have a brain thing. He is wanting. He's suicidal, even though he doesn't want to ever admit it until the very end. And when he finds, you know, this this young girl and this Mexican woman, like, on the lam, he doesn't want to help him, only helps him for cash. And then when he learns that his daughter is his daughter, like, he doesn't accept her right away. Like, Logan is not, he's not a good character. And the movie is good in the sense that it is not trying to, it's not trying to fluff him up in that kind of way. Like, right. Like, James Mangold is telling you, like, this he, it's like not I wouldn't say necessarily he's a bad dude. He's just a dude that's been beaten and is completely broken. Like like Logan yeah. is broken. If, if you empathize with that or not, like it's kind of like I think you can either take it or kind of leave it in sort of way. But I think the whole journey that we get to at the end, when he finally does die, like he actually died for something that was kind of worthy. Like he died protecting these these children and make sure that yes. they're safe. Yeah, no, I I don't think that the impact of the the end is particularly muted. But I would say that for me, at the beginning, I'm already at a disadvantage because I might know the character, but having not seen, you know, what, 9, 12, 15 other films? Too fucking many. (laughs) I'm a little like, wait, I saw like Days of Future Past and like a chunk of Apocalypse on an airplane. And it did not seem like it ended like this. I don't want to get too much into the intricacies of like the cinematic universe, especially because the X-Men cinematic universe is a nightmare. But they marketed this as a standalone film. They tried to make a big point that this is an adult superhero film. And this is a film for your dad that doesn't like comics. This is the film for, you know, your bro who's really into hyper-violent action movies and like, thinks the X-Men is kind of gay, like whatever, right? And it isn't, it, that, is not, that is not what that movie is. So it puts you at a weird like tactical disadvantage to start with, right? Because you, you either have to have seen all of these movies or the marketing's kind of lied to you. Um, I don't necessarily know. I, I'm, I'm and I, thinking... I'm not sure whose fault that is. Like I'm not trying to level this at Mangold. I'm not sure it is his fault. I think the advertising of the film is correct. Like, I don't think you need any history, particularly with the, the like, I think the last, like, two or three X-Men films before Logan to get Logan. Like, and you see that he's a clearly broken person. Like, yeah, like, you don't necessarily know, like, why he's withered. Like, you don't know why this is so in the future. It's an X-Men movie, but there's really only two X-Men there. Where are the X-Men? I think if you're someone who doesn't have a history with any of these X-Men films, like, those are probably questions that you have. But I think if you see the film, you kind of buy in the fact that this is a guy taking care of an old man. So this is basically like a father-son type of movie. And then they kind of reverse where the son is now the father. 
and you kind of take it on that kind of respect. I don't think it kind of takes away from the movie. I mean, if it's a bro movie, like, you get all the violence of a bro movie. You even get titties if it's a bro movie. Yeah. No, I'm just saying that, like, I really like, I would say, about 85% of this movie. Yeah. But the the 15% that I really struggle with is because it does, like, like that other 15%, like, doesn't seem to know who it's for. Like, there's a shot where they, like, make a big point of being like, oh, do you have phone chargers? And he, like, grabs cigars as well. And I was like, okay, I get it. You've read the comics. Like, come on. Like, it's so tonally discordant with everything else that happened in this scene. This little girl just tried to kill somebody for telling her no. Like, and that whole, that impact is completely curtailed by him being like, cigar, comic, comic, chomp, chomp. Like, come on. Come I, on, think, like, I think maybe that's a take it or leave it kind of thing. I took it. You left it. There's nothing like deal. if I wanted my dick sucked, I would have gone to a to one of the MCU movies, you know? I mean this is Logan kind of fluffs you a bit. There's there's a bit of fluffing in Logan that I don't necessarily dislike. Especially when the, the young chunky black kid tells him the Wolverine doll at the very end. Love that shot. It's okay. To I, I will give you that one. I do like that one. But it's like okay to get fluffed. Uh, yeah, I mean, some fluff is okay, but, like, if you're selling a serious movie, I want serious fluff, too. I mean... <laughs> give, it, give it Coke bottle glasses or something, a bow tie, maybe? Like, come on. I mean, this is the first X movie that gave us titties, so... <laughs> we, we did get some tig old bitties. That shit was funny. I was not expecting that, boy. That shit was funny. <laughs> a good set of breasts will harden the soft. Will harden the soft man. <laughs> I fucked that whole joke up. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> bro. Oh my god, this movie is great. It's great. Live from an undisclosed location in a basement in New York City, it's me, Crank, ruler. Well mayor of Dimension X and the producer of the hottest new pod in that dimension or this one, The Shredhead Pod, starring the Blasian Batty, aka Google Chrome Dome, aka Ado Nobu Nigga, aka my best friend, Oroku Saki, aka The Shredder. And we put aside our differences with the Ninja Turtles to be your weekly source of hot takes sports and entertainment news stay all the way and hear who Saki is named as his Cretan of the week and find something valuable in the shred commendations so we'll see you on apple stitcher spotify or wherever your pods are casts the shredhead pod is a member of the hyphen podcast group i'm fairly convinced that james mangold might be like the perfect director to watch with your dad especially like he's doing the next indiana jones movie apparently and yeah, like go off like james mangold ultimate dad director 2k20 change my mind like especially with four versus ferrari like he's the dad director man like there's no hiding it like he got all the all the right white men he got all the the right Ferraris and all the white, all the right Fords. Fuck, I knew I was going to stumble on that. I was waiting for it, but I mean, like, he did also get all the white Fords. Yeah, basically. 
You know what's wild out for is right. Every single car is clean in this motherfucking movie. Every single car is clean. Like not like the beat up Volkswagen looking at in the background of some convenience store. This fucking beetle that's like a fuchsia green that's sparkling from there to the moon. Like every single car in this movie is clean. Like he he know what he's doing with this fucking shit, man. In in like hour twenty of Le Mans, you finally get a little bit of mud <laughs> on one of the Fords. And I'm like <gasps> Some spec. like Oh no. Some spec dirt. He really hated to do that. He did not want to disrespect the cars at all with dirt. So I think this is another one of those movies with, with James Mangold and the good, good casting. Oh, hell yeah. Because like everyone in this movie, I, I won't say everyone in this movie is charming, but I will say everyone in this movie is believable in a way that I really appreciate. Like even the kind of stuffed shirt Ford businessmen and all they ever say is like, yes, sir. Like you look at them and you're like, oh, I know 30 assholes like that. Like, you know, like they're, they're, There's no moment in this movie where I'm like, oh, this is about to turn into like how to succeed in business without really trying the musical. It's never over the top, but it's never too small. I I think that uh, John Berthal gives an amazing performance in this where he's super conflicted between making the best car, doing the right thing for his job and like doing what he promised this person did christian bell with this one it's a combination of this one performance and that one award speech they gave did he totally redeem himself of being an asshole i think so i'm pretty i'm pretty sure like everyone voted and we all decided that he was okay yeah age has treated christian bell very well also like i'm sorry where was his oscar nomination for this movie he got like some independent shit, but he didn't get the Oscar, so Yeah, um he he got nominated for Vice. Oh yeah, Vice. That's the speech he gave where he was But like yeah. where is his nomination for like he didn't necessarily have to win. But like the lack of Oscar nominations this movie got flooring to me. I mean it's I mean he, Here's looking at you, sound design. I mean, <laughs> the sounds are fucking beautiful, but I think that you, I don't know if this movie in this kind of, especially with the, the voting bodies, how they are, like, like this is definitely an action movie. Like, this, like, this okay, is a suit-up action movie. Like, Green Book. Hey, man. How? Like, we... We know how. We know how. Well, right, but like, not for nothing, there's a lot of white people in this movie, too. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, it's like... Or were they afraid that they were going to get dinged for anti-Italian sentiment? Like, what? (laughs) I don't know how exactly we're related, but I usually say my my great-grand-uncle, Luigi Cinetti, won Le Mans several times. Uh, I believe he actually holds the record for most consecutive wins at Le Mans. Nice. Um, yeah, and he also is the first uh, person to sell Ferraris in North America. Oh, hook us up. Yeah. I sign off on this. It's not anti-Italian. <laughs> I mean, so it did get nominated for Best Picture, though. I that- mean, yeah, but in a stacked year. 
I mean, that was a vanity nomination. It won for best editing, which I mean, okay, okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> I have no. <laughs> I mean, editing editing's very nice in this movie. <laughs> it is. I think it should have got sound design though. Yeah, all these fucking machines sound beautiful. But I mean, on some level, though, you you do have to admit, like, this is a very classy action movie. Like, it's. I mean, right, but that isn't necessarily a bad thing yeah but they're they're not gonna get this nominated though but yeah like this so basically it, it had to compete with uh, 1917 so tell me what you would who would win in a head-to-head battle so four versus Ferrari versus once upon a time in hollywood for best picture yeah i'm saying for you like what would you pick is the better one i'm more inclined to watch ford versus ferrari for a fourth time than i am to watch once upon a time in hollywood for a second time all right, Ford versus Ferrari versus 1917. Oh, Ford versus Ferrari, easy. I did not care for 1917. Ford versus Marriage Story. I, they both had really good performances. I have no desire to watch Marriage Story again. Okay. I felt my soul leaving my body. I think that might be a better movie, though. So I am with you three for three so far. So I'm in the mindset I would take Ford over those three movies. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where, well, this next one, I don't think it'll be, oh, shit, this next one, it will not be, I know your answer, you don't have to say anything, Ford versus Joker, we're taking Ford. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah. push, push Joker right off that cliff. Exactly, so we're four for four. <laughs> I haven't, I've never seen Jojo Rabbit, would you do Ford or Jojo Rabbit? So, initially, just based on my, like, watching of the film, I probably would have picked Jojo, but upon doing further research on it, I have to pick Ford. All right, so you're five for five so far. I'm four yeah. for four. Now, this one, I think these, I, I know of the next three, I know two, Ford's going to lose for me. Yeah. So Ford versus Rory versus the Irishman. I didn't finish it. Oh, damn. I, I, would, go, I would go Ford. Now, this one, though, Ford versus Rory versus Little Woman. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Ooh, that's really tough. Oh, I don't care for that mashup at all. Uh, it's it's got to be Little Women. I mean, yeah, my like feminist writer side is like you dummy. You know what it is. <laughs> my feminist writer side agrees. <laughs> now this one, I think you may actually go the other way. Mm. Ford versus Rory versus Parasite. Parasite's a better movie. But what would you pick though for yourself? Like if if you. I mean, are, are you asking movie, for like um? Oh, if I had to keep one movie. Yeah, if you had to keep one movie for yourself to watch, and you could not watch the other movie for the rest of the time. Do I do I like keep the knowledge that I've already seen the the other one, or am I like erasing it from my memory? <laughs> Well, that's kind of important because, like, I've watched Parasite, like, six times. Holy shit, really? recorded a podcast about it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And, like, I would watch it again, but, like, I can't have that on and do other things because of the subtitles. Like, I can't. Well, yeah. Um, Unless you want to speak Korean. I I mean, like, (laughs) maybe if I watch Parasite enough times. uh, But, like, that's tough because they do very different things for me. All right, so I'll give you that. So you, the the movie you erase, you still keep it in your memory as long as your memory is still a memory. 
I think I still got to take Parasite. Oh, I'm, and, I'm taking and Parasite it's, also. It's only barely. I'm not happy about it, but I've now seen Ford versus Ferrari three times, and I've shown it to the people that I care to see see it with and talk about it with. Yeah. And you know, if we're not vacuuming it out of my memory. <laughs> so that yeah. said, I get so squishy for Matt Damon in this movie, and I hate it. I mean, he's Matt Damon he's, is ex. He's he's. I I think Matt Damon actually surpassed Tom Hanks as being like the everyman. Now the good news, as I see it, is that even with all the extra weight. We still managed to put old Mr. Ferrari exactly where we want him. Did we? Oh, yes. Expand. Well, sure, we hadn't... We haven't worked out how to corner yet. Or stay cool. Or stay on the ground. And a lot of stuff broke. In fact, the only thing that didn't break was the brakes. Hell, right now... We don't even know if our paint job will last a whole 24 hours. But our last lap, we clocked 218 miles an hour down the Mulsanne Strait. Now, in all his years of racing, Olenzo ain't never seen anything move that fast. And now he knows, without a doubt, we're faster than he is, even with the wrong driver. That man is scared to death that this year you actually might be smart enough to start trusting me. I think Matt Damon holds the title now. He is so charming in this movie and I hate it. It's a fucking accent, man. He's doing the accent. Well, no, but he also has it when he's Mark Watney in the in the Martian. He's got this little sparkle that he gets when like you can tell like the gears are turning. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like oh, I love that so much. I love the, I call it the mischief sparkle. He's got the mischief sparkle, and I love the mischief sparkle. And yeah. that, paired with the accent, paired with the suaveness, paired with the, the sense of humor, is just so... Uh... You, know, you know the thing about Matt Damon is, though? Would you describe him now as being sexy? Because he's really... attractive. I think he's yeah. attractive, but he's not... He's okay, not... but I, don't, I also don't know Matt Damon. And like that makes it difficult because I feel like I know some of these characters and that's what I'm gravitating towards. I gravitate towards charisma. That's always been the biggest thing that like Yeah, yeah. You can so have if I sat like... down if I sat down and got coffee with Matt Damon and was like, Oh, you are as charismatic as the characters you play. Like you've got a good personality, you've got a good sense of humor, and like and you look the way that you look. I Yeah. Like because like, it's like people like like you know Brad Pitt that are like classically just like physically you know having that but then there's other you know men that everything else kind of makes up for that and that kind of elevates their like sexy status like intelligence yeah. charisma charmingness as, uh, as RuPaul eagerness. likes to say uh charisma uniqueness nerve and talent <laughs> hilarious spell well, that no, out that's... for those of you at home uh-huh. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Did you just get it? Oh yeah, I got it. I got it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I don't know Matt Damon. Like if know. you were like, do you want? Do you want to go on a date with Mark Watney? Yes. Like 
run me over with your Mars rover, you beautiful man. He's whooping this forward, mad yeah. sexy like. He's yeah. <laughs> Bro, I mean, like I said, I think, hell, I think even if you look at the totality of their careers in in general, I'm I grew up a massive, massive in my adulthood like a, a Tom Hanks fan, but like if you look at the careers of both of those guys, Tom Hanks is a lot more duds than Matt Damon does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also know I'm pretty sure is Matt Damon local or like was local. I think yeah, he's from. He's from Boston. Yeah, so at least we like like the same baseball team and stuff. So that's not a thing we have to worry about. Like hilarious. He's also, you know, been been married since I was eight. So that might put a damper on things. <laughs> Jesus. He's... And like I I Googled him and the first thing that came up is a picture of him making out with his wife. I mean, somebody's getting it in. That's all. Yeah, no, glad at least one of us is. So he's from Cambridge. Is that yeah. is that just a Boston suburb? That's two towns over from me, yeah. Yeah. I think if you're looking at 2019, I think of those Emmy, I'm sorry, Oscar movies, like, yeah, like I would say it's probably third best. I think overall for 2019, I would probably say, I would still, I mean, I take Booksmart over a lot of movies, honestly. I'll take Parasite, Booksmart, the Farewell Uncut Gems. Ooh, okay. So Parasite, Booksmart, Farewell, Uncut Gems, Knives Out, and then probably for Oh, oh shit. We're, we're leaving out fucking... I feel like I'm something. Oh. oh fucking portrait. Portrait, yeah. I think if Portrait had been on that list, Portrait for sure gets my heart. I would, I would take pills to forget Ford versus Ferrari happened if I got to keep Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah. The first thing, if I, if I end up getting this job, the first thing I'm doing is ordering the Criterion Collection edition of Portrait of a Lady on Fire. <laughs> I want the essay booklet that comes with that. Like, nice. that nice. Otherwise, I would just buy the normal edition. But I want the 40-page collectible essay. <laughs> Aaron, um, I mean that sounds fucking gnarly. I also want to join the Turner Classic Movies Wine Club, which is a <laughs> a they send you a box of wine, like several wine bottles. I think it's eighteen, and uh, they each have movie pairings. Yeah, yeah. And there's this great video by uh, a YouTuber who I think I've mentioned before on the pod, but I'm not sure, Patrick Willems where he decided to watch all the movies and drink all the bottles of wine in five days. Jesus. God (laughs) damn. And it's so funny. And I'm like, do we do that with the podcast? Do we do like a a wine pairing situation? Like sponsor me, Turner Classic Movies Wineries. Like, Hey, if they want to sponsor us, I'll do it. I'll, I'll go for it. Fuck it. I can pretend that I know and appreciate more classics than i do um, <laughs> I mean, tell me they, more about footlight parade turner if they uh, get us in the club that will be your appreciation there you go that's I mean, the gateway yeah no and we can just instead of doing director pairings we'll do wine pairings so we'll do like hey. three three pinot noirs in a week <laughs> we'll I'm both be shits. belligerently hung over on the podcast it'll be great basically so I guess it's it's probably the sixth of all those movies we named. I think it's 
It's still really good. I think I might. Well, it depends what we're doing, right? If we're trying to think like the Academy. Oh, yeah. We're thinking like the Academy. Like If we're thinking like the Academy, then like, frankly, I think that it would be five with Knives Out in six. I mean, because, yeah. Like, if we're thinking like junk, I'll show at movie night. Because, I mean, The Farewell and Booksmart and Knives Out, like, they yeah. didn't get nominated. Like, those are all excellent movies. Yeah. I think that, honestly, Booksmart might be a little bit lower for me. I really liked oh, it, but... Yeah. Bro. I, again, really liked it that first half an hour. I, I tried to watch it again the other night, and that first half an hour, I couldn't crack it. Even bro. though I knew... Even though I knew all the good that was inside. Yo, it's so funny. So I got my TV like two weeks ago and I tested it just by watching Booksmart. In the first like five minutes, like I was immediately happy. Actually, the first minute of watching Booksmart, I was immediately happy. I'm starting to wonder if it's because a lot of the like cringe moments reminded me of moments in my own high school experience <laughs> that I'm struggling to watch it. I mean, that's pretty close. It could be spot on, man. Like, I wasn't I wasn't quite as like Ruth Bader Ginsburg E like <laughs> yeah. as as they are, but yeah. I definitely had a lot of like not even I'm smarter than you moments, but like I'm different than you and I know what I'm doing and get out of my way. Yeah. I mean I was also like the punching bag of like four years of not even consecutive bullying, like consecutive ignoring. So by the time like the kids in my grade were being nice to me, I was incredibly suspicious of them. Damn. I mean, that's like you've been conditioned. So that's not your fault. Like they conditioned you to that. I don't know. I think I think watching that scene in the bathroom, especially, I every time I like watch it, I'm like, ah Yeah. It, it's too real. Yeah. But it's wrapped in this weird bridesmaid stunted comedy that I is like <laughs> I mean, yeah. I if it doesn't trigger me, I would say that. So but I'm also not give, but also give Billy Lord an Oscar. Okay, thanks. Hilarious. It's so funny. I <laughs> like. Oh my god. I legit think that Booksmart is my favorite teen comedy ever. And I and I like. Lo- I know you said you never watched Ten Things, but like watching Ten Things, like catching when I did. And then starting high school, like, fairly after that, like, 10 Things is, like, always my shit. But mm-hmm. Booksmart, man, like, Booksmart is fucking it. Man, I love Booksmart. Yeah. Anyway, to to pivot back to Ford versus Ferrari real quick, just so we can <laughs> wrap it up strong with that, because it's such a good movie. I don't want to, like, give it just the thumbs up and kind of stop talking about it. Yeah. I think that it again, has the excellent James Mangold casting. There's no character in this that isn't doing something interesting. Yeah. Even the secretary and the, I've seen all the hands that little red folder scene have passed through. They're all distinct in a little way. Yeah. You know, and most of them don't even talk. And like the wife that realistically is written as like supportive wife character has stuff she's doing stuff the son is really anxious yeah you know they all have little moments you can kind of dig into yeah the son's the emotional anchor yeah but also in a lot of ways so is ken like because he is the most 
I would say of all the characters in that movie, the most pure. He knows what he wants. He knows what he wants to do. And maybe there has been some, I would say, struggle with the kind of connective tissue, uh, you know, in the way that he talks to people or whatever, but he knows more, you know, he knows what he's doing and his love for that thing, whether it's racing or building is so prevalent in everything, you know, and the only thing that comes close to that, that love of driving is, is the love of his kid. You can't just push the car hard the whole way, right? That's right. You have to be kind to the car. You feel the poor thing groaning underneath you. If you're going to push a piece of machinery to the limit and expect it to hold together, you have to have some sense of where that limit is. Look out there. Out there is the perfect lap. No mistakes, every gear change, every corner, perfect. You see it. I think so. Most people can't. Most people don't even know it's out there, but it is. It's there. Yeah. Definitely. And uh, it's really nice to see a dad in a movie that's a workaholic and does crazy stuff, but doesn't also abuse or neglect his kid. <laughs> yes. You and can do one and not the other. Yes. Yeah. Like maybe that's why I like this movie so much. It's like the anti hook. Like the beginning <laughs> of this movie is not him like ignoring, avoiding, making promises he won't fulfill to his kid. Yeah. Like, the scene where he starts throwing out all the trophies and you see the kids sneaking them back in on the, the tray from the coffee table. Yeah. And then later you see the trophies back in the, in the case. Yeah. Like, you know, even though you don't see it, you, you know that he and Ken put them back in together, you know, or that scene where he talks about uh, what a perfect lap at Le Mans looks like using Peter's map. And he says, you know, dad, they can't all be perfect laps, can they? And he says, I can try. I can try, like, yeah. Uh, that's like peak good acting. It's peak good dad. It's peak good race car driver. It's so good. Like, ugh. <laughs> even even uh, Pops, like Phil, the, the kind of crew chief. Who, oh, no, he's great. Yeah, He's great. Like, he doesn't really do much, but he's great. <laughs> He's so good. The movie would be way less good without him. Or Chaz, the kid who accidentally on purpose locks that guy into the office. So good. Like the only yeah, the only actually the only person, the only thing that this movie the movie kind of needs an antagonist to push it through. And mm-hmm. so the guy that got locked in the office, Leo, played by Josh Lucas, like that was I think that that was the only part of the movie where it's kind of like he's completely like the bad guy in a sea of good guys and it's like yeah. except that like yeah he's the bad guy but also when you think about it like he just wants his sticker on the chart too yeah like he is corporate mccorporate and all he knows is that ken miles is not for driver you know 
He insulted his car. If he wins Le Mans and then turns around and immediately says something terrible, that's not going to make him look great, is it? Yeah. You know, they're doing this to try and save his job Yeah. at the end of the day. If he happens to screw the person that actually offended him in the process, that's just icing. So what's the sexiest thing in this movie? Is it Christian Bell or the 1966 Ferrari? The 330p3 <laughs> that was the screenshot that i sent you of that yeah. ferrari like that ferrari was fucking beautiful man i i'm not even a car person like that legit may be the beautifulest car i've ever seen in my entire life yeah what what is the sexiest thing in this movie hmm. i mean i'm tempted to say when the wife is talking about cars like her introduction hey. Another satisfied customer. Can I help you, miss? Wasn't that an MGA 1500? Ah, you know your cars. I like them. I love the sound they make. The way it goes right through you. Right. That vibration. Mine's the uh, wood panelled country squire across the street a real hot rod oh yeah is it fast very wait a second what type of girl are you type of girl who likes the smell of wet gasoline oh burnt rubber oh what are you some kind of a deviant <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> well only since i married you like that yeah. is that is a very authentic while still being kind of not so serious moment yeah that i really i really love uh my my other argument is any time that carol shelby drives irresponsibly in that little blue thing <laughs> hilarious but also the experimental ferrari so i believe it's ferrari 21 that looks like a spaceship Shit, they all like spaceships man like hello Hey. Oh man. Who, who bro? I know hey, why the, I, I drive know. a Prius. Like, let me have this. Oh my. I was gonna say add, I know add, add a add a boing of sound effect when we're talking about the cars. Have no other boings in this entire episode. I know like you can't like none of these cars are street legal. They barely have rear view mirrors. They probably can't even go in reverse. But goddamn, man, like, I would give a lot to drive one of these fuck uh, That Ferrari especially, I can't drive stick, but I would give a lot to learn how to drive stick and then drive that car, man. I, yeah, I'm, I'm straight up, like, I have two friends who drive stick, and I'm very tempted to be like, teach me to drive stick so I can drive the 24-hour at Le Mans. Like, Hilarious. You should say that. You should send that text just like that, too. Uh, hey, hey, hon. Yeah, no, it's been a minute. Uh, teach me to drive stick so I can drive the 24 hour at Le Mans. I'm sorry, the Le Mans? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. The Le Mans? 24 hours. Of Le Mans? <laughs> also, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When Fiat bought Ferrari, I could not stop laughing. I was like, fix it again, Tony. Like, hilarious. This is this is a lot of fun with acronyms this episode. <laughs> Be kind. 
Be hopeful. Be optimistic. Never get down. It's all going to be okay. It's all going to be all right. We're one people. We're one family. We all live in the same house. Not just American house, but the world house. I wish you well. Find Kat at Kat Chinetti on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Find Marcus at Show and Mad Love on Twitter and Instagram. S-H-O-I-N-M-A-D-L-O-V. Please join our Facebook group at We Should Do This Again Sometime. And follow us on Twitter at Kat, K-A-T, and Mark, M-A-R-C. Read us at catseasmovies.tumblr.com and themarkrob, T-H-E-M-A-R-C-R-O-B dot wordpress.com. Be sure to tip your waitress at Catherine Chinetti on Venmo. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenley under Hyphen Podcast Group in conjunction with It's Like a Podcast or whatever. Thanks again for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a Hyphen Podcast production. Are you not entertained?